0: Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of The Investment News Podcast. I'm Jeff Benjamin, co-hosting as always, or usually, with uh, Mr. Bruce Kelly. Uh, Bruce and I have, uh, it's summertime, so we kind of uh, sometimes take a little time off to, uh, you know, refuel and rejuvenate, and, in Bruce's case, maybe drink a beer. Uh, Bruce, how you doing? I am well, sir. How are you today? I'm fantastic. Living the dream. Um... We have a cool topic this week. We're, we're going to talk about some news that broke this week, and just so those of you keeping score at home, it's July 14th right now. Um, uh, earlier this week, David Cantor, uh, big shot RIA custody boss over there at Fidelity Investments, uh, the second largest custodian in the, we're going to say world, uh, he uh, he. It got kind of leaked that he was uh, leaving Fidelity at the end of the month. And then two days later, a uh, press release went out from uh, Blue Spring Wealth Partners, a, uh, a, a Kestra company, that uh, he is joining uh, Blue Spring as their president. Um, and uh, from I talked to the, uh, the current president and future chairman of Blue Spring, Uh, Mr. Silverman, and he told me that uh, this is, or Stuart Silverman, sorry, he told me that uh, Dave is going to be, you know, leading the charge, and and basically there's going to be a lot of acquisition activity over there, and they've already had a lot of acquisition activity. But we have with us today, Mr. Tim Welsh, talking to us about this this deal. Tim is the um, president of Nexus Strategy, it's a consulting firm, and uh, he's going to talk to us about the, kind of the impact on Fidelity, uh, Fidelity's custody business, maybe the uh, the impact that we're going to see at Blue Spring, and everything else we can get out of them. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna ride them hard here. So, Tim, how you doing? Thanks for joining the podcast.
1: Hey, doing great, Jeff. Bruce, thanks for having me. Looking forward to the conversation.
0: Let me uh, let me kick it off here with uh, the the news of David Cantor you know, who found out a few days ago that he was leaving Fidelity to me, that that was kind of surprising to me. I mean, he's been there a decade or more. Um, he's a, he's a super knowledgeable guy in the custody space. He's, he's, to me, he's, he's very friendly, usually available, great sense of humor, great guy. I know you and him have known each other for a long time. What did you, what did you think about the, the move initially? And, and also what kind of an impact is this likely to have on, on Fidelity's custody business?
1: Uh, yeah, great question. Um, uh, David and I crossed paths the first time, I think, back in 1999, when we were both at the Charles Schwab Corporation working on the custody business. And at the time, actually, he was my lawyer. So things have changed quite dramatically over the years in terms of the career arcs we've both been on. But but I think you know it it was somewhat of a surprise in terms of the timing. But when you take a step back, I don't think it was that much of a surprise. If you sort of look at the history of Fidelity's executive ranks, uh, they tend to come and go, and they bring in different folks. And recently, they brought in... Uh, Rohit Mana from uh, Salesforce into a senior position in the wealth uh, institutional space at Fidelity. Uh, so to me, that was sort of a signal, like a new face, a new player. Maybe there'll be some restructuring, reorganization, and you're never really safe anywhere in a big bureaucracy and a corporation like Fidelity, who likes to switch things up and change. So when I look back on it, I sort of saw that maybe as an early signal that perhaps you know there there might be opportunities for him to take a look at the outside world. But, uh, yeah, in terms of where he went, Blue Spring, the big RIA, you know, to me that does not surprise me at all. I think if you look at the shift in terms of, you know, what is really the um, the leading organizations that are leading the industry, it's really starting to come back to the actual RIAs themselves versus the ecosystem that supports advisors. So I definitely think it's a great move for him. Personally, you know, he'll be able to run – uh, a long way with that um, opportunity sitting on top of an RA very similar I think to like a Dave Welling who left Schwab also one of our colleagues and now is running Mercer Advisors um, so it's not an unheard of move from an executive to go to an RA so I, I think it really worked out well for him personally Um, and, uh, and I totally agree with everything you said he's a great guy uh, very funny uh, I call him a renaissance man you know he runs marathons he plays guitar in a band uh, he's just you know, a friend to everyone. And so I think ultimately the big hit here for the Fidelity business is that uh, Canner was such a friend and confidant to a lot of the big RAs, that custody over there at Fidelity, that they're going to miss him. They're going to miss somebody like him. They could pick up the phone and say, hey, David, we're thinking about hiring this person or, you know, we're thinking about rolling out this type of a platform and a service. And he would give them really good advice and guidance based on his experience working with other RAs. So I think that component, that'll be a big loss for Fidelity.
2: But, Tim, now he's competing in a way against these firms he used to uh, be a confidant or, you know, an ear to bend to.
1: Oh, of course. Yeah, uh, that's a, a great point. You know, but I think even in the big world of RIAs, you know, we're still tiny in comparison to, like, the institutional firms, the warehouses.
2: If they're going to continue to buy firms, right? So, I mean, he's competing with the firms that he used to kind of advise.
1: Of course. Yeah, no, that's the natural evolution, um, particularly to that point you make there around acquisitions and there are only so many buyers out there. So they will definitely bump heads. Uh, but again, I do think the industry is large enough that that won't be a big issue. You know, I think you look at sort of the many study groups that make up the industry uh, where these big RAs are comfortable sharing their secrets amongst each other. So I, I think that that spirit of collegiality um, is still strong. And I don't think any of those other firms that used to confide in him are going to be worried. Uh, but I think, you know, of course uh, those Business plans are secret and confidential. And you know David knows that the uh, the best path going forward is is to stay a friend to everyone because you never know who's going to acquire who uh, and you can always keep those doors open. So I, I think it's still a very positive appointment for him because of the opportunities there. So I wouldn't really worry too much about this competitive issue.
0: Do you, um I don't want to gloss over something you just said a few minutes ago, Tim, about, it sounded like you were saying that a little bit of the handwriting was on the wall You weren't surprised to see him leave Fidelity? There was a little bit of maybe unrest there?
1: Uh, Well, in any corporate bureaucracy, you know, there's only so many seats to sit into, you know. The history of Fidelity, if you look back, you know, there's been quite a bit of turmoil in the Charles Goldman uh, time there, and also Bob Oros' time there. You know, there's been a lot of turnover in the executive ranks. So to me, uh, when you bring in someone new from the outside, uh, like a rowhead who comes in with a different perspective and a different position, uh, that's not too clear in terms of what people are going to be doing and who's reporting to who, you know, it just kind of gives you sort of like, you know what, this is not going to be permanent for me. Uh, maybe I, I'll never become the CEO here. So if I'm going to make a, a move, I should do it now because I still have got another dozen years left, 15 years left in my career to really make a mark. Uh, so I think the timing came together and, you know, that corporate you know politics exists in every company uh, that's out there. So I wouldn't say it's just Fidelity. I mean, Take a look at everyone else out there, and they've all had similar issues. That's just the nature of the beast. So, absolutely, I definitely saw that as maybe you know uh, an opening for him to be able to think about other opportunities.
0: What about the the kind of the timing of this departure uh at a time when the Schwab TD deal is is coming together? And it's going to be a, a behemoth custodian operation. Cantor was pretty; he had a pretty important role there, and that you know in working with RAs. That's I know that you know, they're they're going to temporarily fill fill that spot or his team's going to report to, I can't remember who he's gonna to, but, um, who going to report to, but who they're going to report to. But he, uh, I mean, what do they do over there? Is that, are they in a little bit of a scramble mode, you think?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, this opportunity for, you know, Schwab and TD Ameritrade to spectacularly, you know, um, clash together, we know operationally that when they do flip the switch and they turn off those TD systems, it will not go well. And there will be chaos and angst among advisors looking for another custodian. I think they're still just still in holding patterns right now since they haven't made the move. And it's been four years, I think, since they announced the deal, and they're not gonna be ready till late next year, if not maybe 2024. So I still think they have time to try to hopefully get some um, consistency and continuity in that as executive ranks. But you're absolutely right. This is a strategic opportunity for a land grab when that behemoth uh, merges together and of course, there will be friction in that system, which would lead advisors to look for other opportunities, other custodians. In fact, it's already been going on, particularly if you were a Schwab and a TD advisor. Now, all of a sudden you say, hey, I still need a third custodian now. So I'm already looking at Fidelity or Pershing or someone else out there like an Apex to come up with something. Uh, but absolutely a great point. Um, timing is always interesting. And particularly with that one looming, uh, definitely they will have to... Sprints, if you will, to get that ship in order to replace him.
0: Yeah, and just to to clarify, the uh, Fidelity did say that um, uh, Cantor's team will be reporting to uh, Rohit Mana. Uh, he's uh, Fidelity's head of client growth, so it's they're you know they they were immediately on that, but it's still like you said, it's a you know I'm I'm sure there was a lot that. David Cantor was responsible for, and uh, that's he's gone in two weeks, as far as I know. Okay, Tim, I want to ask you a little bit about the kind of the impact on Blue Spring's growth mode uh, with David Cantor at the helm. Uh, Blue Spring, which is part of Kester's created, spun out of that operation about three years ago, uh, with a, a full mandate to make acquisitions. They are private equity backed. Uh, Warburg Pincus owns a piece of that business. Blue Spring has made 19 acquisitions in three years, including three or six this year. Um, how much of an impact is it to have a, a, a kind of a name like David Cantor as president of that company when it comes to recruiting RIAs to join the operation?
1: Uh, I think it has a huge impact. I mean, it gives them instant credibility. As you mentioned, not many people had heard of Blue Spring before the news of David joining their their firm. So I definitely think it's a a powerful leverage tool they have in him. To be able to hit his rolodex up and pick up the phone and call a lot of the former advisors he used to work with and talk to them about potential strategic partnerships. So he's definitely has a leg up on everyone just because of his um, recent work with the biggest REIs in the country. Uh, so I definitely think it's it's a it's a big deal and a a reason why you know he he would want to join as well because now he can make it his own. He can really drive uh, opportunity there for himself and for the company. And really turbocharged their growth. So I definitely think um, both sides um, have a, a great upside because of the opportunity for him to join.
0: Tim, what do you think about uh, David Cantor? You know, coming from a giant role at a at a big custodian, moving to something the size of Blue Spring, as you said, no, a lot, a lot of people had heard of Blue Spring prior to this, and you know, 45 billion is not small, but it's still you know not fidelity. Um, is this something that is going to keep uh, David Cantor's interest? Is he going to be there for a while? You think?
1: Oh, absolutely. I think you know, a smaller operation in the scheme of things. Uh, actually, as a, the uh, chief executive, the president, you have even more opportunity to you know spread your wings and uh, take on new projects and not have to be beholden to the corporate purse strings and you know have to share resources and get stuff somewhat done. And takes forever because the company bureaucracy is so um, heavy in a place like Fidelity. So I actually think this job here gives him the opportunity to, to quadruple or, or even more so his responsibilities, his his scope, his span of control uh, versus, you know, a corporate job inside of a larger financial services company. So I don't think it's going to be too small for him. I think it's going to be as big as he wants it to be. I and mean, I think that's the beauty of it.
0: Bruce, what well, you want to Anything for uh, for Tim on maybe the Kester background or anything like that? Tim, I just think
2: um, Kestra is one of these interesting firms because it's kind of born out of the ashes of a of a firm that had of a you know the old NFP structure that was the Jessica Biblowitz firm um, that was insurance brokerage with wealth management tied to it, right?
1: Uh, absolutely, definitely a um, interesting history for sure. But it sounds like, you know, with Stuart Silverman, uh, he's done a fantastic job of setting that up for success.
2: And James Poor over at Kestra on the brokerage side.
1: Right, exactly. Um, and, you know, that the the evolution of NFP, to your point, it was, where it was one of the very first, you know, serial acquirers. That's how they built that business, a roll-up in and of itself.
2: And they use stock to do that.
1: Sure, absolutely. And now that... Um, uh, Blue Spring has a private equity backer. They have access to capital. Uh, it's much uh, l- fewer restrictions on it. And it's not, like you said, equity-based. So I I think the currency they have available to them actually will give them a lot more flexibility in, in how much they pay, how they do it, what they buy. Um, they don't need permission every time they want to do something. They can just go out and do it. Uh, so I think that actually gives them a leg up under the old model of the Kestra you know, post-insurance brokerage. Uh, meltdown, if you will, through the years. So definitely you can take a, um, a diamond in the rough and polish it up. And I think that's what they're doing.
2: And I also think it's interesting, right? I mean, like we had um, uh, UBS uh, and their, the head of their wealth management group here in the US, Tom Narrative, uh said this week after 39 years he was leaving, I wouldn't be surprised if Tom Narrow wound up not so much as an active role as, as David Cantor, but, you know, being the chairman of some or vice chairman of some, you know, wealth, you know, aggregator, RIA, breakaway type aggregator. Um, Cantor must be in his late 40s or early 50s, I, I would imagine, or mid 50s. And now he gets to take a real bite of the apple by leaving Fidelity, where I'm sure he was compensated very well. But now maybe he gets some stock in this new organization or some warrants or whatever. And um, he can he can grow uh, his wealth as the organization grows, too. Right. He can own equity and something where in Fidelity, you don't right? these big organizations. You, you You don't have that opportunity to really be an owner.
1: Great point. Yep. And I think the word we're looking for here is entrepreneurial. You know, you get risk and you take risk and you get rewarded for it. Uh, here in a smaller organization, uh, you absolutely can, you know, uh, make significant wealth on the upside as the business grows, the firm grows. Whereas, to your point, as being a corporate executive, you're sort of got a ceiling built in and bands, and you can never make more than the chairman. So you're <laughs> always going to be stuck in these levels. Um, so th- that's a, another reason why. Your point about, you know, Cantor being mid-career, like this is a chance for him to hit the gas, accelerate it, take it as far as he can, um, and really drive both, you know, personal uh, fulfillment through running a successful organization as well as personal wealth as well, at the same time.
2: I really, Jeff and, and Tim, I really think it's, you know, Kestra, Blue Spring saying, hey, we're really serious about the RIA business. That's what this hire means to me. You know, you should really check us out. We got some good stuff going on.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And uh, they, the valid, the validity that comes from someone like David going there, you know, obviously he must see tremendous upside, although he wouldn't just trade his stock for their stock unless he saw a tremendous upside to do it. Um, so I definitely think that's a, a valid statement for
2: sure.
0: Jeff, back to you. Yeah, that's uh, that's. Kind of what I had that I was thinking we would talk to you about. It. Maybe just real quick, Tim, uh, a little bit of an overview of what you're seeing out there in the custody space. I know you kind of talked about the Schwab TD thing kind of rolling toward completion at some point. But uh, just generally, anything else stand out to you from what you're seeing out there? I know you got uh, you got, kind of got a pretty good sense of what's happening in the RAA space.
1: Absolutely. I think for the first time in a long time, we're actually going to have some really interesting competition beyond just the big two or three, Uh, Goldman Sachs is a great um, example. They're coming out of left field. No one ever anticipated Goldman would want to get into the custody biz, but here they come in a big, big, bold way. You've got Apex, another technology-enabled platform that was the custodian for all the uh, online brokerages and platforms. They are coming big and strong into the space. You've got, you know, some new players who are basically digital front ends to others, like a shareholders services group or a trading front uh, with interactive brokers. So uh, the conversation has always been dominated by Schwab and Fidelity and to a lesser extent TD. But now that TD has gone, uh, we now have a wide open race for REA market share in the custody space. So I think it's exciting. It's dynamic. It's going to put, you know, an onus on the Schwab trade, uh, Goliath to have to compete. You know, I know they say they're not going to raise fees or they're going to keep all the small advisors, but, you know, ultimately the economics say that if you're a small advisor, you cannot exist on a large platform. They won't be able to service you just because you don't generate enough revenue. So they're going to ignore you or give you a 800 number or a DIY website. And that doesn't fit well with the entrepreneurial aspect of an independent RIA. They'll find another place that will take them with open arms. So I, I, I'm, I'm very energized and excited at the current state of affairs.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm very much interested in watching that. Uh, you know, who's really got the red carpet rolled out for the small RAs Because when you ask any custodian, they say, Yeah, yeah, bring them on. But then all you hear from RAs is like they don't want us. We don't have enough money. We can't get their them take our calls. So,
1: yep, very very true. So that's hopefully we'll see some a fresh round of uh, competition, which hasn't been here for quite a while.
0: All right. Well, on that note, Tim Welsh. Nexus Strategy, thank you very much for joining us today and informing us on all you're seeing out there in the custody space and uh, talking about the big move by David Cantor. Thank you very much, Tim. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much. If it's Monday, it's time for another podcast.
2: We want to thank our special guest, Tim Welsh, president at Nexus Strategy, an industry consulting firm. We also want to thank our producer, Angel Caster. You can find the Investment News podcast, of course, at investmentnews.com. Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. Leave us a review on Apple. Follow us on Spotify. You can reach out to Jeff and berate him on Twitter. Uh, and his handle is at Benji Ryder. My handle is at BDNewsGuy. Stay tuned, and we'll be talking to you next week.